ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Amy. Jeff Henson, how are you? And welcome to ATV Talk. How are you doing, Lenny? It's good to be here. Good to see you again. Pleasure. Pleasure. Mine. Um, it's good to see you. And and I just want to say thank you for taking some time with us. I know you're a busy guy. And just so that we get the record straight, I want you to explain what it is you're doing and who you're doing it for. Well, I uh, come from an ATV media background. Currently, I am the executive editor of ATV Rider on online, ATVRider.com. I'm also a contributing editor for UTV Driver. Uh, the company that I work for just bought both of these titles. And uh, we essentially, it is Octane, who they are a lender for power sports vehicles. And now we have Octane Media. And our job is to get people excited about buying machines and get them into machines. Uh, it is an ad-free site. Uh, we are basically advertising for the, the lender himself. Uh, but AT, you might remember ATV Rider and UTV Driver were both print magazines at one time, and now they are online. Is online magazines difficult for you now, or do you think it's easier? Uh, well, I, I like it because we can get the information out there immediately. You know, it's not like you're waiting a month or two for print to come out. Uh, that was something I did 10 years ago. Uh, I was formerly with ATV Sport and ATV Magazine, uh, ATV Illustrated before that, and I did a few TV shows that were based on off-road power sports, uh, Trail Nation and ATV Illustrated Television. Um, but I, I like what we're doing right now, and I like, especially like video, which we are getting into heavily. UTV Driver, we've got up and running. We have a really great crew of guys that are uh, working on that, and it is. 100% going right now. And so I'm turning my attention to ATV rider, pulling in some uh, riders and uh, 
test riders and and we're, we're getting that up and off the ground right now we've got a few new stories that are up on there uh, but it's really going to get going here in the next couple of weeks that's awesome yeah. that's awesome and then and that's for the UTV side of it mostly, or is that uh, UTV, ATV and UTV? UTV driver is all UTV and ATV rider will be all ATV. You know, sport and utility machines, all, all forms of ATV. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm in the process of trying to uh, get some recreational uh, people uh, on the podcast so I can uh, talk to them about the riding trails. Uh, I really like some of the stuff I see on social media from the uh, New York ATV addicts. Uh, they're probably never going to see this, but you never know. Uh, yeah. But they, they have some interesting things that they put on there and they go on some really interesting rides that if I was in New York, I'd love to try out. Have you, have you been riding in New York? Never. I have been uh I was, I think KM had a press intro up there in the upstate New York, and it is beautiful. I mean, if you've never been to New York, you know, it's not all skyscrapers. That's New York City. Upstate New York is amazing, very hilly, very green, uh, tacky dirt, and there's some good riding up there. We went to Oceana and raced a big money race they had there years and years ago. This is back when we were racing the Nationals with Eichner. Um, so you're talking 96, 95, 97, something, something in that range. Uh, you know, that that's the, I was in New York, upstate New York, but that, um, beautiful countryside, but yeah, other than that, um, I did a layover one time in New York to into New York city. My niece lived there. And I just happened to text her as soon as I got off the plane. Yeah, I have a 14-hour layover. You know, I know it's late at night, but you want to show me around? And um, <laughs> we rode the trains and and went to uh, went all over downtown. It was pretty. It was pretty interesting. You know, would I go back? Probably not. There's just to me, there's no reason. But uh, yeah. live there, love yeah. it, and that's great. I was actually born in Syracuse, New York. I haven't been back since. I've lived in the Phoenix area since I was five. This is home. So, love, my, uh, love my home here. Good air conditioning, I hope. Oh yeah, well, I'm getting ready to getting ready to buy a new one. I'm I'm hoping it'll make it through this summer. I saw. I'm getting ready to head to the Baja 500 here tomorrow morning, and when I get back on Monday, it's supposed to be up around. 117 in downtown Phoenix. So, yeah, not looking forward to that, but you know, enjoy, enjoy man. <laughs> I enjoy the other eight, nine months of the year. So, wow, 117. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I just, prepped a machine. I just prepped a machine for down there. Josh Rowe is going to be riding it and the team low profile guys. Yeah. Oh, very cool. So, if you see him, check it out and, uh, give give josh a, a talk to because he's a, he's uh turned out to be quite the good young man and he's one hell of a desert racer oh well, he always was yeah he's well i mean comes from a bloodline of it his father's you know kind of legendary in, in baja so yeah there's a there's a lot of lineage there yeah. so let's get down to let's get down to talking about you um 
little backstory on your industry time and what motivates you to keep writing in, in, in what I would say a difficult time. Uh, well, let's, okay. We'll go back to 99 is when I got, actually let's go back before that. I, uh, my first ATV, <clears throat> I was riding dirt bikes at the time. I was riding an 84 CR 250 and a buddy of mine showed up one day. I ran out to him out in the desert here in Phoenix and he was riding this something I'd never seen before. It was a 1987 Yamaha Banshee. <clears throat> so he let me take it for a spin and I was hooked. I mean, just like that, I, I had to have this, this rocket ship, that, you know, just that, that hit was so amazing. So I went out and bought, I think this was in uh, 89, because I went out and bought an 89 Banshee, had the J arms and stuff on it at the time. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, I was a Dooner, you know, riding trails around Phoenix and all that. And uh, some buddy of mine, buddies of mine decided they were going to go race. They, they had raced before. I'd never raced. They were going to go race the Baja 1000. This was in 1995. And I agreed to go down and help them pit, even though I really had never even been to Mexico before. Well, a week before the race started, one of the guys got really sick and backed out. And they told me, they said, Jeff, you're racing with us. And I was like, what? I've never raced in my life. So the 95 Baja 1000 was the first race I ever ran. <clears throat> oh, wow. What a race. Yeah, and it was a full peninsula run all the way down to the bottom, although we broke down in San Ignacio, I think 600 and something miles in. Oh. But uh, it was an incredible experience. You know, it was terrifying. It was exciting. And all the emotions you go through, I came back and signed up for my first race uh, off-roading here with uh, Whiplash in Phoenix. And uh Whiplash is no longer around. The AZOP has taken over, but it's the same thing. But yeah, I got started with that. And uh, at the same time, I think the internet was basically America Online at the time. I was just writing stories, sharing pictures of my adventures down in Baja. I've raced Baja several times since then. <clears throat> and uh, one of the other uh, writer for a different magazine, he, he caught on to some of my stuff and just I got lucky and he connected me with some other people and I ended up getting into the industry you know the ATV media I could write stories I could take decent pictures and anyway that just grew from me becoming the senior editor of ATV Illustrated uh, ATV Sport hit me up at a, a industry dealer show in Indianapolis and stole me away from them I was working for them ATV Magazine uh, some other things and, and then got into television from there and then the <clears throat> great recession finally caught up to me around 2010 everything was just falling apart magazines were collapsing and all that and uh i think my last race i did was actually the baja 500 in 2010 but that's kind of where it ended and i kind of got out of it after that i've been i've been riding dirt bikes and atv since but uh the the economy and everything else i went out and got you know a real job and started actually working as a an artist and uh, anyway come up to last year uh justin dawes who is uh with one of our two-wheel cycle world is also part of us we have several different motorcycle magazines in addition to utv driver and atv rider and he called me out of the blue one day and said, hey, you ready to come back to off-road media? And I just kind of laughed and 
said, uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I'd been out of it for a while and I was kind of enjoying what I was doing, but now I'm back with uh, ATV rider, UTV driver. How did your wife take that? Uh, she's very cautious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she makes the rules. She's good with it now. Uh, so it, it's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm very excited to be back. And especially in a time where, uh, I enjoy the sports side of ATVing and they're, you know, you only got two options if you want to buy a new machine right now, a Raptor or a YFZ 450. So I'm hoping, and I'm going to be pushing, you know, I, I think it's time for sport quads to come back into the dealerships and the, you know, with the other brands, I think people are ready for that. You know, a lot of people will tell you that UTVs have taken over I bought a UTV. I enjoy sharing it with my wife, but I miss being behind the handlebars. You know, I, there's that saying with age comes a cage. And I think that's a bunch of garbage. I think my age came because I quit racing and riding. You know, I, got I agree with that. Steering wheel and sit in a seat. So. I agree with that hundred percent. You, uh, you only get old because you stop uh, experiencing life and yeah. You know, I, I, I don't ride. I train a lot to stay in shape. I don't ride as much as I'd like to. Oh, the little bit of testing I do, I love it. Um, and, you know, to just go recreational ride. Gosh, I haven't, I haven't done it in, in quite a few years, but yeah. I, I work. Right. I'm, I'm building a new machine all the time. And then I started, you know, I didn't think I was busy enough. So I started this, the ATV talk. So now I have three jobs and, and yeah. there's never enough time to do anything, but, but one of those jobs. Um, and, you know, I really don't think I'd have it any other way. When you get to build a race bike or you get to build a new machine and you get to be the first one to ride it. And you get to feel the, the, you know, this needs to be adjusted or that needs to be adjusted. I think, you know, like a, uh, like a box or the last thing to go is his punch. Well, I think the last thing to go for me will be the feel. Yeah. You know, I'm still not afraid of it. Uh, I mean, no, I don't want to go jump big. Uh, and no, I'm not going to go through, you know, 10 miles of whoops, but I'll go through a few to get a feel of, of how the machine works and make the adjustments I need to. And, um, you know, if some smart like pro young kid gets cocky, I think I can ride for a few minutes, you know, just to teach him a few things. Yeah. And, and then, you know, granted, I was never a pro, never on the level of some of these guys, but, um, I got to spend some time with some really fast guys and, and, uh, ride at a level that most people dream of through the dunes. It's, it's pretty incredible when Doug Eichner comes and rubs tires with you in the sand dunes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting to go to the works races now and watch the A-class because uh, you and I both raced the A-class back in, I don't know, it was 2004, that range. We raced against each other. Yep. And I watch these guys today, and I, I think they're at a whole new level compared to what we were back then. And, uh, not not saying that I wouldn't get back out there. There is a group of 50-something guys that have come back, and our racing works now. Uh, the Dave Wiley and uh, David Ham is out there, you know, and some of these guys are racing. 
Dave Wiley is actually instrumental in bringing the uh, three-wheel class to works. And I think they had seven at the last race. They had 10 of them when we were here and they were here in Arizona. So it's fun to watch the three-wheeler guys get back out there. I cringe a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny. I, I just did a story on uh, there's a company here that just moved to Arizona from New York that builds custom trikes. And they are actually offering more options for people in three-wheeler form than what's available in quad form right now, which is kind of funny. You really? Know? Yeah. I don't uh, know if you've heard. When you say more options, oh, as far as different brands? Yeah. It's, they basically, they, they take a dirt bike and they convert it into a three-wheeler. Right. And the results are pretty, pretty cool. In fact, they have a, K, they have a CR500 aluminum frame three-wheeler uh, they got KTM, Husqvarna, Yamaha, Kawasaki. You know, there's several options that they build these kits for, or they will build the machine for you. But that's, you know, I, I'm having to go there just to get sport and race uh, side material for ATVs, which include three wheelers, you know. I'd like to talk to those guys. Oh, okay. I'll give you the information. Oh, that'd be great. It's I, I can tell you it's BVC trikes. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yep, but uh, they moved to Phoenix. They did from New York. Yeah, just in the last month or two. Oh, that's awesome. They'll yeah. do I think they'll do better out here than they did there. I do too, and that's why they. I did talk to the owner. It was on the phone or maybe through email, and he uh, mentioned that the majority of their sales are out here in the Southwest. So it just made more sense for them to be in this area. They're actually down in Tucson, I believe. Which that's good because Phoenix isn't as desirable as it used to be, I don't think. But <laughs> Oh, you mean as far as a bit? Well, I don't know. I, there's a lot of Californians moving here right now. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife and I are looking at some property, you know, because it's going to come to some point that you have to decide where you're going to end up. And yeah. um, she wants to go to Jalisco, which is just outside of Guadalajara. Oh, very cool. And, and and I want to I want to stay here. But yeah. you, you know how it is when you start dealing with your wife, you, you you never know. I may be 6 months and 6 months when it does come to that point, but yeah. We'll we'll see. But let's go down there. It's, it's a pretty awesome place. Yeah. Not many ATVs, but you know, big lake, you know. Nice we spend place. a lot of my wife and I spend a lot of time vacationing in uh Rocky Point. Uh, Puerto Penasco, which is in below Arizona. And then you got San Carlos down there, which looks very appealing to me as a place to eventually retire someday. Uh, the older I get, I, I don't know. Seems like it wouldn't be a bad place to be. Where, how old are you? 54. You're the same age. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, born in 66. Yep. What month? November. September. Yeah, uh, you're older than I am. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we're still young. Let's get out there on the track. <laughs> uh, you know what? B believe it or not, I'm building a 450 uh, of my own. Um, granted, it's I've been building it for like two years, but um, I am building a 450, and I might race it before I sell it, just to just to go out and ride it in the 50 plus class that works. Um, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it, Hey, just to go out there and give it a shakedown. 
uh, Lauren and I are also working on a, we've been working on it for a while there. Again, you have all these projects you want to build. Um, uh, we want to build an off-road works bike work style Banshee. Yeah. You know, that's set up to ride off-road, um, and built for that application. And I think that with some of the new developments, with some of the Elka shocks and some of the stuff that Doug rolls doing with them, I think that we could get one to handle really, really well. Hmm. You know, I'm not trying to make a commercial for any of these guys, but you know, you got Doug roll working on suspension. You got Randy at GPR come out with a new G five steering dampener and uh, you know, you got flex bars and, and then with the engine package that Lauren puts out for that thing, super rideable, super fun. Um, you know, then you just get some good tires under it and, and go have a good time. Yeah. There you go. I mean, all the vendors you mentioned were the people that I used back when I was racing. Well, you know, when you deal with a company, you know, and there again, I'm not trying to make this a, a TV commercial for, or I mean, a podcast commercial for these guys, but we've been dealing with the same companies for most of them over 20 years. You know, you just don't, right. you find a good relationship with people and you just don't change it because you, you don't, nothing against any of the other companies, but you just don't uh, want to change it up, you know, because you have a good relationship. And if you have a problem, you want to be able to fix it. You want to take care of your clients, your customers are everything. So you want to be able to put them under a good product where the development is done correctly. And, you know, that's where all these guys come in. Uh, we work hand in hand with all of them. And if we got a problem with something, they're always there to f- take care of it. All right. What is your, uh, what was your favorite race machine when you were racing? I remember you being out there on that KFX 700. You're not supposed to be asking the questions, but. I uh, know. <laughs> well, you can roll it back at me. <laughs> you, if you want to develop skills and I'm going to give a couple secrets away. If you want to develop skills, you ride a three-wheeler to learn body English. Uh, they teach you how to turn at a, a different way than a, than a four-wheeler does. Um, the KFX 700 taught me um, corner speed, believe it or not. That big, heavy tank, um, if you, you got out of the gas, the bike stopped and you had to build your momentum again. So you learned how to stay in the throttle all the time. Um, which when I transferred over to the TRX 450R, which is ultimately, I would have to say, the best off-road platform ever built. That 0405 is incredible. And then it led to a whole new world for me. The competition, you know, I'm 39 and none of the other guys were that old. You know, some of the guys were just transitioning at 30, you know, and you don't think nine years makes a difference when you're racing ATVs you are full of crap because it yeah. does, you know, the difference between a 40 year old and a 30 year old, there is a difference. And, um, the young, young guys would come in there and just, uh, kick butt. But that 450 that I was riding handled so good. And, you know, yes, we've refined the package and it's done nothing but get better and better and better. And then you transfer into the 06 ups, which is a great machine in its own. It's harder to ride because it makes more power. That's where you transition to the fuel injected Yamaha that is easier to hold on to and is um, 
an excellent package in his own. I mean, we could, we could, we could just talk about the differences in the two packages, you know, and how they're built and how they deliver power and, and, you know, the loves and dislikes in both of them. But, uh, what about you? What was your favorite bike? Uh, you know, the one that I miss the most is my old TRX 250R. I had an 86. That was built. I mean, all of us old guy, you know, and if you're a three wheeler guy, you like three wheelers better than any of it. From what I've heard, but yeah, that old 86 TRX 250R. Uh, I enjoyed my YFZ 450 also that I raced with works uh, in 2004. Uh, and in the 06, I was racing a TRX 450R Honda that we ran at Baja and it had Doug Roll and, and all the Elka shocks. It was set up very close to, I think what Cafro was running at the time. It was a magazine build. And uh, it was one of the best riding machines I had ever been on. As an 06, I know a lot of guys like the 04, 05, but that 06 was, was the best ride I had ever been on. You know, it's not, it's not that the 06 is not good. It has a different power delivery. Yeah. Um, which a younger guy probably likes, or you mentioned that you like the Banshee. So that snap that it has, you know, you, you go back to 0405. What was the big complaint about the 0405 Honda? It didn't have any snap. Yeah. Right. Not having any snap. It sure did win a lot of races. Yeah. You know, the magazine guys crucified it. You know? Yeah. It was the and now you talk to the guys and that's the one that they all love. And they were, I think it was a, a much more reliable power plant. Well, you change the carb and the ignition and the exhaust and the things instantly became a totally new machine that could compete with the 06 up model. Yeah. Not equal, not equally, but pretty damn close. I mean, you're now you're splitting hairs, you know, yeah. I, I, the the 06 models the motor design is a little different it is a little faster um but it had to compete with the yamaha that was a little faster than the honda but the yamaha the 04 to 08 yamaha never handled as good as the new fuel injection bike does right you know. did you uh i remember back when we were racing works uh there were a few tracks I didn't run anymore. We went to, uh, was it Bastrop, Texas? I think it was just outside of Austin, Austin Cross Creek Motocross Park. Didn't we go there one time? One time. I think it was 04. Yeah, I went there was, on Mothaki. I loved that race. I, I think I'm a, I should have been a GNCC racer instead because I love the tight, very technical tree courses. Uh, San Ignacio, Colorado. I remember, you remember Avalanche Ranch was another one. I led Ignacio for two laps. I know we were all backed up behind you. I had a flat. <laughs> I had a flat. I had a flat tire. I had a flat tire, and I wasn't holding anybody up when on the first lap. No, you weren't. You're right. You when I got that flat tire, I couldn't turn. So I was walking through the turns, and I was just trying to hold on to get out of the woods to granted i would have got passed by a few people but i got hung up on a log and everybody passed me yeah yeah i was just, it was just that, it's impressive that you could tote that big pig through those trees and that technical course i, I was impressed but if i was that flat i would have won that paper yeah 
I mean, <laughs> I, I was just so, I was heartbroken, you know, freaking heartbroken. Uh, the stick got in and cut the valve stand off. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it happens. What, what, what are you going to do, right? Yeah, exactly. But I like that. I love some of those places that, that we don't get to go. I mean, I, I didn't ever do very good at um, Milford. But we went there. If they haven't, they haven't been back to there, um, that was a great track right on the Susanville, right on the side of the mountain. Yeah, that was actually my best finish was there. I remember they had that uh, that wash full of boulders. Yeah, and I just I I really that was the kind of stuff I like. You know, it would beat the heck out of the machine and stuff. But I just technical hard stuff like that. That's where I would catch people. What do you think of Havasu? Uh. Sometimes I like it. Havasu is rough, and that course just every lap just gets beat and you know harder and harder. And you never knew if it was going to be cold or it was going to be a hundred degrees. You know, if it was really hot, I would go a little out further out on that one winding turn, you know, and get in the lake a little bit. I remember, and you remember, I lost a silencer out there. It wasn't one of uh, yours. I remember. I think I was testing uh, an exhaust system for a magazine, but yeah, my exhaust my head. Silencer came off out there. <laughs> but luckily, it kicked off there because I could kick it over into the water and let it cool off a little bit before I put it back on. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, and I like Havasu is just fun, you know. A lot of the, the half the fun of go, racing with guys and doing those races back then is we traveled as a group, right? our Arizona group, and ATV racers uh, were just. I look forward to getting together with all these guys. We would help each other out, you know. We would help each other with whether it was jetting or oh I forgot a part or I forgot my goggles. Somebody always had something. We even though we were racing against each other, we still helped each other out. Yeah. So I, it was just. I wish Works would go back to that platform where they ran the qualifiers. You know, for the pro race, you know they had an open and a production, and then they had to open in the production. They ran them at different times, and and then they qualified everybody in. Um, I think they should go back to a platform like that. Give the pros an extra chance to race. You know, they could race three yeah. times or two times. Um, I I just think that, and plus you had more entries back then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Although they they do seem like they're coming up again. Yes, yes. Uh, you have some good, fast young kids. You know, some of them are struggling a bit, but uh, I haven't got to I haven't got to go but to one race uh, this year, and maybe we'll see if I get back. Um, we've had some issues in the family, and and uh, it's kept me at home. But we'll see how it goes with uh, trying to get back and and do what I do best at, at some of these races. And, and uh, I'm working with a couple a couple guys in. Um, various classes and we'll see if they can get me out to a race and uh enjoy the works people again my family that i haven't seen uh, in two years you know yeah um, i don't know if you uh are following uh, say 2022 hondas they just started naming and we got some press releases today the first was just it's the new uh honda rincon 4x4 the 680 and uh, they got more coming down the line too. Hopefully, there's a 450R in there somewhere. I, you know, I doubt it, but we can always hope. There's no way they could have kept it quiet, though. You know, 
There's no way. Still there? Yep, I'm here. Oh, okay. Thought I lost you. Uh, the interesting thing that I saw today was this, and, and I think I talked to, to you about this earlier, was this Rincon 680 is only 49 state legal, which is odd for a fuel injected four by four ATV that meets CARB and EPA uh, stipulations and is not intended for competition use, although it seems like that's what the state of California is putting it in. So that ATV, if the Honda Rincon, it tells me if the Honda Rincon is not uh, legal to sell in California, then what ATV is? You know, I so, you can still uh, buy the Raptor 700 here. Can you still? I, well, they're saying, is the the 2022? I, I just, I find it interesting that that Honda. Of, well, no, in 2021, I don't know if the 700 will be available in, in 2022. But how are they going to stop people from driving over to Arizona and buying one and coming home with it? Exactly. Other than enforcing where, where it's registered or, or whatever. I, I have no idea. Other And then people from out of state can still obviously bring their 2022s to the Glamis or whatever, because they have an out of state registration, which is not fair to California OHVers. But uh, I, it's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a strange place right now for. Well, it's another way for Diane Feinstein to get her wishes and shut everything down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just part of it. It's all. I thought that evil woman would be gone, you know, but she's in her 90s and she's still in politics. Yeah. You get it. Oops, I'm not supposed to talk that way. <laughs> I know. It's hard to avoid. Yes. But, uh, but it, I mean, that, that definitely has to play into that. You know. What other what other releases did you see on any other models? Uh, well, they've only, they, of the entire 22 Honda lineup. It was just the the 680 Honda Rincon and a, their one of their new uh, Montessa trials bikes that was announced today. And then they're just like, it looks like they're just slowly rolling out, you know, trying to keep excitement or something going on. It's it's I've I've never seen Honda do it this way, but uh, it'll be interesting. But I just it, it kind of threw me for a loop though that the Rincon, and maybe it's a typo on their part cut and paste hack or something they screwed up. I don't know, but it just seems strange that the Honda Rincon, which is fuel injected and meets all of the EPA stuff is not legal for sale or uh, registration in California. Made no sense to me. I have an email into them and then they didn't answer me today. So I don't know what's going on. I have talked to the guys at Yamaha who say, Raptor and YFZ 450 sales are fantastic, and there is no plan to quit making sport quads there. So kudos to Yamaha. Yeah, you'd have to really. I had a buddy of mine that, that gives me crap because Honda's not making them, and Yamaha is, and and he knows that I'm a Honda fan. And 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 yeah, it kind of even if Honda brought back the exact same model they stopped making in 14, they'd sell. Yeah, they would sell better than they think because you know, the racer guys would start buying them because they need new bikes to race. And the 14 was probably the best of all the the years as far as durability wise. Um, So they were getting the, the, the mix right on how to make the gears so that they would be stronger and live longer. 
So I, I don't, I just don't know why they stopped making them. You know, there was a dip in sales, but the, I guarantee the sales would be up right now because yes, people are buying Yamahas and yes, that's a good platform, but there are people out there that still want that Honda. Right. You know, and okay. If you don't want to change it, just make the motor fuel injected and run the same thing. Yeah. How hard would it be to, to, you know, to put a couple sensors on the thing and run it? You have enough different motorcycle versions. You can take an injector body, make it fit, you know, right. Harnesses, ECUs. Yeah. You know, that was, that's an interesting point that you bring up the new, uh, the 2021 Honda dirt by the CRF 450 RWE. Uh, these guys that converted just converted one of those into a three wheeler, and they were talking about how the CDI electronic components airbox all when they put this new uh, the subframe on it, it all lined up much easier than it has in the past for uh, <clears throat> for them on on basically which is a, a quad rear end. And I do have to wonder if maybe they're streamlining some of that stuff so that components can cross over for a, a Honda to a 450R release maybe here in the near future. I don't know. That's just me being uh, optimistic, <laughs> I guess. But Well, I've been in the industry a long time in the field that I have uh, because I know there's a machine that they've already built. It's probably outdated, so they're going to have to revamp it. Um but you never know. They could send it out, you know, the way it is and and still sell and still be competitive in a lot of markets. Um, something's going on because they're not selling parts for some of the ATV stuff, even for the 14s that they're supposed to make parts till 24. Some of it's hard to get or it's not available. Um, the 0405 stuff they're phasing out, which breaks my heart because that's a great machine. Yeah. Uh, usually when they start phasing it out, it's because they're bringing something new in, you know, and uh, well, hopefully they keep with their trend. I know that uh, the talent may not be as a, a big as deal as they'd like it to be. I, I still think they're selling fairly well because it's a Honda, you know, yeah may have a, it may have some shortcomings in some worlds, but my brother's got one and he loves it. Uh, right. I've got one. Yeah. I mean, they may be a little slower in some cases, but uh, you know, g give everybody a chance to do some development work on them and they'll, they'll probably be as good or better than everything else and probably be more reliable. Right. I bought one because I like going out to Mexico and I just don't want to deal with a belt. And you know, Honda has made a name and for themselves and reliability. So for those longer trips going down Baja and shooting, you know, photography and all that, that just seemed like a good choice for me. I didn't buy it because it's the fastest thing out there. I just got done testing, uh, doing a final article on the Can-Am, uh, the X3, the RS Turbo RR, the 195 horse machine. What an incredible machine in the dunes. You know, it's if you're wanting just horsepower and great suspension, go get that. But for me, my needs, it was a Honda. Uh, it's great in the woods. It's, it's great everywhere. It's decent, a, a decent uh, machine. That, that motor is out of the Africa twin, from what I understand. And yeah, you can do some nice things with it. So 
Well, yeah. And most of the, most of the guys aren't going to do motor work on the UTVs. Um, I don't think the aftermarket for the UTV stuff is as strong as everybody thinks it is because so much of it goes through the dealership. And if they have a warranty on them, uh, on them, that goes back to the dealer and the aftermarket guys are getting the trickle effect from what's, what's out there. That's not warrantable. Right. You know, and, and that there's some, some good stuff, but you know, you're really not getting as much as you think you can. Yeah. You know, and, and we're so busy with ATV engines, it's very difficult for us to transition over into the UTV engines. You know, we're still do a few now and again, but when you have as many ATV engines as we have, you almost just cringe if somebody brings you one because it takes longer to build them and you're going to lose time on your ATV motor builds and you're an ATV right. engine company. Yeah. It, That's it, a tough deal. Yeah. So if you were giving some insight to where you feel the industry is going, what would you, uh, what would you, what would you say? I, I think, uh, I think sport quads are going to come back. I think it's not just the younger crowd. You know, just going to the races, seeing the number of entries come up, uh, the pro classes, you know, is, is, with work. And I, I saw some of the stuff from back east, GNCC. Their numbers are getting are pretty good. I think they probably have been good all along. Through, uh, well, I just go back. I, I think sport machines are uh, sport ATVs are going to make a, a comeback in some form. And uh, I think we're going to be seeing the beginnings of that here pretty soon. I just don't see any reason why they wouldn't be profitable. After talking with the guys at Yamaha, they're doing great. Their sales are going up with those. Uh, and they they do truly enjoy being the only one selling sport ATVs right now, too. Uh, but I, I see things turning around and going in the right direction. Entries at the tracks, you know, with the racers and stuff. That's a small percentage of people that actually buy sport ATVs, but those are way up. You know, they're much better than they were, you know, five and 10 years ago. So I think it's coming back around. I think it's going to too. And I really hope that the factories kind of stay out of it because the independents carried it for years and the factories came back. They didn't hurt us too bad. They kind of went away and the independents were still there. And then the factories came back and, and ruined it, you know, um, and, and they drove the prices through the roof for, for riders and for teams to compete or companies to compete. And uh, yeah, you're just not going to, you know, want to get a resume. Well, you're going to pay me. I'm like, well, whoa, whoa, timeout. <laughs> you know, time out. You need to rethink this, buddy. Somebody may be paying you, but it's not going to be me. You yeah. Know? And not everybody can afford to race a, you know, $30,000 UTV. And that's just buying the machine. You know, that's a lot of money. I, it was expensive. I thought racing ATVs and even dirt bikes, you know, of course those trophy truck guys think we all race for free. <laughs> right. But, uh, I just, there is definitely a market there and, and it's, and it's growing. And I think it would sport ATVs would do very well. 
if they would, if some of the manufacturers, especially Honda, Kawasaki, you know, might look at that again. KTM, you know, their timing was horrible, but I thought that was a great machine. I wasn't really enthused with it. I, I I would like to see KTM come back because there is such a, I mean, as much as I'm not a KTM fan, no offense to anybody. I just, you know, I'm just not. Um, but if they took and, and, and invested with a real ATV person that could help them build ATVs, you have three different brands. You have KTM, Husky, and Gas Gas. Right. They, same bike, different plastics, different logos, and do it just like the motorcycle guys do. And and now you have four factory teams because you have Yamaha and you have the, those three. So now you have four factory teams out there. And that would almost force Honda's hand a little bit. Um, I don't know if Kawasaki can ever get back into the sport world. Yeah. Because they need to do the same thing. They need to go get an ATV guy and and a good ATV guy. There's not, uh, to my opinion, there's not that many of us around. Um, and and listen to what they tell you to build and build a sport ATV that's a performance-based machine. You know, and you give right. it all the options. If, if, if you're building one for recreational and you're building one for more performance, you change them up a little bit, you know, build an X and an R, you know, like Honda does. Right. You know, and then, and, and then if you're going to do that, then you're, you're handing a great bike to the recreational crowd. And then you're handing a great bike to the racer crowd. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, Suzuki. I don't think they'll ever come back either because they still haven't recovered. Right from you know 2010 when they uh when they blundered right yeah they haven't even thrown anything out there on the utv so uh, which is kind of surprising have you yeah, have, have, kawasaki utv what's that have you driven the new kawasaki oh uh, yeah the the uh krx yeah what do you think of it uh it's it's a little down on power um, but the, I, I like the suspension on it. I think it has great suspension. I like that it comes with the, you know, the bigger tires for, I think it's a great machine for like Moab style terrain, rock crawling. It's set up really well for that. Yeah. Jimmy White sure loved it. Yeah. But he's, but he's pro Cowie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, like, I like that Yamaha, the first version Yamaha. Yeah, I thought that thing was just a, an awesome car. The only complaint I had about it was for rock crawling type stuff. It didn't seem to have enough low end. And I think they've corrected that. I haven't spent a whole lot of time in the uh, Yamaha. We changed the exhaust and put a weight on the drive shaft and made it much, much better. And we put a set of Elka's stage fives on it out of the box. And, you know, I've I, I put a lot of Elkas on and those Elkas still have not had an adjuster knob touched and huh. it doesn't kick in the rear. It, it, it just drives awesome, you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I bet I couldn't get another set of shocks to come out of the box that worked that good. Right. Those just work perfect, you know? 
And uh, I really enjoy that car. Really enjoy it. I don't get to drive it anymore because I put it on its lid, but. <laughs> I actually put mine out. Uh, actually, I should have my test drive rider. We were testing some products out here and it's been over with my test rider in it. So uh, it's got some scars. You know, I'm glad I got that point over. Now I can go out and beat it up and not have to worry about it. So. Well, I gave the car back to Randy Norman from GPR and because uh, it was his car. And he says, you said you rolled it. And I go, yeah, I did. And he goes, there's not even a scratch on the roof. And I go, hey, I got lucky. It didn't break <laughs> the antenna on the roof. It broke the whip, but it didn't break the antenna. Uh, you, you, I mean, you really can't even tell. Yeah. No scratches in the plastic. You know, the graphics kit didn't get damaged. I mean, the smoothest, most perfect rollover you could have you know my daughter valeria was in the car and it's her first time in the dunes ever yeah well there's why you didn't do any damage to it you were in the sand <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> well we were in the rocks in a rocky wash much like uh yeah the milford track oh nice yeah it got it took a little beating so do you have any ties with any of the guys at, uh, at KTM or any of that stuff to, to try to get some insight out of them if they'll ever come out with a quad? I don't, but uh, our guys on the two-wheeled side have quite a bit, so I can pick their brains quite a bit. I can talk to Justin. He's the uh, executive editor of Cycle World, and I'm sure he has – you know, he can, he can ask the questions and stuff and see what they have to say. Yeah. I've heard uh, of the rumblings that, the, that they say we're a motorcycle company. Yeah. They, they, maybe they have some bad feeling. I mean, they're, they're timing on those K, the KTM quads. It was just with the recession, it was just way off. You know, I know a lot of people that race those with works and whatever, you know, Rick, uh, Ellsworth, it did really well on, on one. I liked them. I really liked them. Those machines, they were as race ready as you could get. I remember when we did the press intro, I think it was an 08. We did it at red bud up in Michigan. Fantastic. Have you ever been up there? Yeah. Just wonderful dirt. We don't have anything like that in Arizona. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think it was Tim Farr. I think Tim Farr actually, it was like the first time a quad had ever uh, cleared the Rocco's Leap, that giant triple step up that they got there. And uh, I think he actually just cased right over the very top of it, but he cleared it. And it was a pretty impressive thing. But yeah, I enjoyed race, ride, riding those machines there. And it was great to have a machine that you could really just buy and go right to, let's say, a works race. It came with a tethered kill switch even. Plug it in, you're ready to go. So really, yeah, really, uh, really ready to go. Well, you know what? I, I've ridden, well, I've ridden one. magazine guy who tests stock machines. I was ready to go. <laughs> 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 I, I did it after, after, uh, around 06 or whatever, when I was still doing this up through 2012, I think it was, I was using the track at works and all that to test a lot of stock machines and it beat me up pretty good. <laughs> my son son loved we had one for a short while and my son loved it and uh i didn't and doug eichner still has his 
and it's still in his garage. Yeah. Um, and he, he loves it. He thinks it's great. And I just shake my head every time I see it. Really, dude, really all those championships won on a Honda and you have a KTM in your garage. Yeah. It's heartbreaking to me. Heartbreaking. <laughs> you told that I sent Doug a message. Uh, I think it was through Facebook messenger or something. Tell him to get a hold of me. Cause I wanted to do a little catch up with him for ATV rider. And uh, I haven't heard back from him yet. I was trying to think, what did I do back in 2006 that pissed him off? Nothing. It's just, <laughs> it's just Doug. You you know you gotta you gotta remember, D- Doug was never the guy that. Um, you, you know, I think that I got more uh, mic time than he did because I would talk, and he would stand there and smile and and yeah. uh, you know cheer me on because he didn't want to talk on the microphone. He didn't want to do some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, his son really helped me out, Devin, because his son had an idea what the podcast stuff was. And I think he listened to Pulp Fiction and a couple of the other guys. And, um, not that I would listen to a a motorcycle podcast. I don't just (laughs) to be clear. Um, especially ones that don't like ATVs. Um, now that I got that out there, I feel better. Um, but his son really helped out with, with telling his dad what it was all about. And, and, uh, when Doug came and sat down with me, he was prepared mentally, you know, and, and the questions were good and the answers were good. And, and, uh, he talked, which I don't think in the almost 30 years or 20 some years that I've known Doug, he's ever talked that much. Yeah. You know, I remember being on road trips with the guy and, you know, you're in the truck for 18 hours and you might get two sentences. Right. You know, I mean, it's just Doug. Yeah. No big deal. You know, I mean, I got used to, to him not talking as much and, you know, or him nodding his head or telling, you know, I'd ask him how the bike is and he'd just, you know, nod his head and smile a little and walk away. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and unless then we'd get home and then you go, you know, you you could have done this or you could have done that. And I go, I asked, where was this, you know, two days ago? Uh, but I'll reach out to him and see if I can get him in touch with you. Uh, you'll be back on Monday from, from the 500. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back Sunday night, Monday morning, something like that. Well, he's going to be here in uh, San Diego next Friday for my niece's wedding. Um, and everybody's going to read this and think that she's getting married in August. Well, she's getting married uh, in a couple of days because we're taping this uh, a ways ahead of time. Right. And my daughter will co- probably cut that out because she cuts out everything that I'm not supposed to say, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the podcast, which I don't understand the rules. I mean, maybe you do because you were in TV and, and you've been in magazines so that there's always some type of things you're not supposed to talk about and things you are supposed to talk about. And, and I, you know what? I really don't care. I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about and say whatever I want to say. I haven't heard any questionable areas so far. So I think we're good. <laughs> um, I mean, you talk about racing and talk about, you know, the, the industry where it's at right now. I think, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. What's your take on paper versus 
online. I know that you said that you like to get it out faster um, on the online stuff, but you've done both. And which do you prefer? I mean, I uh, reader based wise, I, I think I'm in the minority by saying I like it being online because we can get things out quicker. Uh, the information I, I just I don't think that many people buy magazines and having been in the print magazine business even back when it was popular you know what what they what magazines claim is their distribution you know how many magazines are being printed is not how many are being read and I, I think people today just don't have they don't want to go buy a magazine and they just most don't have the attention span. We even have to cut our words down online because the people just don't have the, you know, today's society, you know, you get past, you know, 300 words or maybe 600, a thousand words for a full review on a machine and they just lose interest. Uh, and video is king. And so you have to have that internet presence. Video has to be part of that. Uh, which is something we're working really hard on right now. And uh, so I, I like where things are at right now. I do not want to go back to uh, print. Now, I always worked remotely from home when I was working with ATV Sport. They were up in Minnesota, and I didn't see all of that end of it. I didn't see all the headache of getting print together. And, and the other great thing is that if we screw up and, you know, make grammatical errors, we can fix them. <laughs> You know, now it's where you couldn't do that with print. So I don't know. What do you, what do you do you as a reader? What is your, I'm what do you like? A, I'm still a print guy. Are you? Because I'm old. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go and turn that thing down on the internet. Um, you, you know, I just still want to hold the magazine in my hand and I want to thumb through and see the pictures. Um, that's the one thing that I think that we're missing with the youth is, you know, that magazine article, that paperback with that, your, the picture of your hero in it. Now it's online and you don't have this same interaction with it because it's not in your hand. I agree. And I miss feeling the pages, you know? So uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, you go from as long as I've been around, you go from the eighties, and you go from the nineties and the print, you know, when the magazine hits, the phone is ringing off the hook. Granted our phone, we've been very blessed and our phone's been ringing the whole time we've been in business. But when the new magazine would hit, the phone starts ringing because you had a feature in it and it's, everybody wants those parts. They want that bike or they want this off. Or they want that off of it. And then that started dying a little bit in, you know, the, the mid two thousands, um, you know, when, when we started having problems with the, the, the paperbacks going out of business, which now we're finding it's a resurgence of people contacting us because of the paperback and the article comes out and the phone starts to ring again. Hmm. They're specifically bringing up that issue with that machine and it stirs questions about prior machines or old archived magazines that we keep on our website, you know, and people are, you know, I have that book somewhere, you know, and I remember owning that machine and, you know, so 
maybe I'm just old school and, and I haven't got into the 21st century yet or wherever I'm supposed to be. Uh, but paper is still really good for Duncan racing and, and myself, yeah. you know, but for ATV talk. Nah, we're going to go with the internet. <laughs> go with the online. Go. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the industry is on an upswing. I really do. Um, I like the fact that I can reach out to people such as yourself. Um, and you know, there's, there's some guys that helped carry us through some of those rough times like Byron Goggins, you know, from back East and, uh, John Pellin and just some of the other guys, uh, some of them that I don't know very well and they're still around and they're still willing to talk about it. Like you are. And yeah. it's, it's huge we have the story to tell about the industry and I'm just worried that we're not going to tell it in time before it's too late, before the youth thinks that they've created this amazing industry. And you know what? I wasn't here when it was created. I was four years old when I rode my first three wheeler, you know, in front of my dad thinking it was the greatest thing in the world. And I've never looked back. Yeah. Speaking of the youth, uh, David Hagsma has been out there on a three wheeler. Yeah. And, and it's one of those BBC trikes, by the way, the ones I was talking about, it's a 450 Honda. And, uh, I, it's, I don't know if you touched on that when you were talking to him on the ATV talk or not, but little, it's, it's pretty wild to watch that guy on a three wheeler. I mean, he, and it was before that Phoenix works race that he had just gotten that machine. He didn't, he actually went to a motocross track, try to get some time on it and they wouldn't let him ride a three wheeler on the track. So I think he got, he did all of his riding right there at that works race. And he was clearing, you know, I, I don't know what they call the hills now. They used to call them homicide and suicide and all that sort of stuff. He was tearing it up. And it was pretty impressive for somebody that has very little uh, experience on a three-wheeler. And I'm glad to see he's back as a, a pro works racer too. So, I, Well, I, yeah, I, we needed a, we needed a shot in the arm and, and I think that he's it. And I really am, happy with the guys that have bringing the three wheelers back out. Um, I'm a little worried about the three wheeler stuff to a point, but you know, it's just something that you have to, you just have to keep, keep on the, on the three wheeler stuff and, uh, and not lose sight of it. You know, we're having a moment. You back? Now I'm back. <laughs> I was just staring at you. You were fro- looked like you were frozen up there. Yeah, we were both we were both locked up. So uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll edit most of the these little blunders. Yeah. Or you know, we have some little things that we can put in. You know, for uh, we do have some advertisers uh, on the podcast, which uh, for being audio only, at, or well, we're starting to do some YouTube stuff, but yeah. for most of the part, we're audio only and uh it uh it's pretty cool you know to have people that are interested in the story and um want to tell it yeah i have gone back and i enjoy the the stuff you do you've done with jimmy white and some of those old three-wheel guys you know talking to them i think 
I'm hearing more and more of that lately, especially with these guys that are, you know, getting back to racing ATVs and three wheelers of the works, but the young guys are talking about it too. And uh, there is a, you know, ATVs and, and ATCs, they're, they're really not that old, but there is a history there. And it's great to hear from those guys. Uh, Dave Wiley just picked up a old um, Dean Sundahl Banshee. You know, they had that crazy front end from back in the day that go actually crosses under underneath frame. I don't remember what they call that. Uh, we're getting ready to shoot a feature on this thing. He's restored it. And, uh, you know, but that go, he's also got some of Jimmy White's old Tecates, three-wheelers, including a 200cc with some of the old uh, JP, I think it was airbox lids and, you know, some other old parts that are worth a ton of money <laughs> today. You know, the three-wheeler collectors, if you can find them, they love that stuff. And the, and the value of those machines has really come back quite a bit. Five years ago, you could get a Honda 250R three-wheeler in decent shape for 600 bucks. Now you're going to pay, you know, north of 2,500 or more for that same more. machine. You can find some really rough stuff, and then they want forty five hundred bucks or yeah. or more, and you're just like, whoa, you right? Know? And they're getting it. Yeah, you know, I mean, the dollar. This is the thing that most people don't understand about the industry. We're in two thousand twenty one. The eighties pricing is over, right? It costs triple quadruple, sometimes 10 times more to build the same amount of parts today as it did then. And labor prices went up, gases went up, steel's up, aluminum's up, you know, insurance is up. Everything's up, way more expensive. And you get this three-wheeler guy calls up and he goes, I, I don't want to pay, you know, $600 for that pipe. And I go, okay, don't, you can't have it then because I don't sell $300 pipes anymore. Yeah. Sorry. What, what do you want me to do? You know, it, it's not 1988. Right. Yeah. And especially today when materials are hard to come by, it seems like I, that's a, seems to be affecting everybody. It is. It's massively affecting everybody. Um, everything, every portion of our business from engine design or development to exhaust pipes to, um, bumpers, every portion of the industry is, or our business is suffering from lack of labor or material, um, or somebody's tied our hands because we can't get something done, um, for their reasons, whether it be material or labor, right? Um, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, well, hopefully in the end, uh, it's a good thing. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a great thing. I think that we're we're going to fight our way through this, and I, you know, all good things have to come to an end or a slowdown or whatever. If it slowed down a smidgen, I wouldn't be unhappy. Um, just so that I could actually see the paperwork versus it flying across my desk, um, or I could spend some time working on the projects in the shop and. And, you know, do what I love to do in a, at a little bit slower pace versus, you know, just thrashing to get it done. Um, 
you know, I, I've spent most of my life thrashing. So that's the speed that I really work at and it's okay. But, you know, when I was 25, it was one thing when you're almost 55, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. But I love building machines. I think that's the most, most fun that I have. Um, and I want to keep doing it uh, for as long as I possibly can. And if you look over my right shoulder, what do you see? Some, uh, it's like some trophies up there. There's a suspended ATC 70. Oh, look at that. Is that something uh, you guys are building? My dad is my dad's. My dad bought that setup 30 some years ago and hung it on the wall. Just hung it there. Figured he'd build it one day for his grandkids, right? Well, all of his grandchildren are grown and have children. Well, not all of them, but most of them. So it's, he's just building it for nostalgia now. Mm. You know, he's got, he's got like four or five of these ATC seventies that he's building in different formats, you know, uh, restoring one suspended machine for a friend of my brother's and this one here that's his and he's building hydraulic brakes for it. No, he could buy a kit. He's building his own because he doesn't want to, he doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't say they do it wrong, but they just don't do it the way I want it done. So he, he machines all of his own parts. Um, still works. He's 85, still works. And he comes home and works in his, in his machine shop um, on his projects. Jeff, it's a real pleasure to to have you on ATV Talk, and I want to extend the invitation to have you back um, so that we can talk probably more in depth about what you exactly you're doing and what it takes to do your job so we can just get more in depth with what the inline or online magazine business is really all about. I think we did a lot of catching up on old times and things that we wanted to talk about. Uh, and maybe a little, we missed a little bit of business talk, but uh, I think if you could uh, come back and visit with us, then we can have that business conversation. The team here at ATV talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATV talk podcast.com. Brought to you by take two custom teams. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.